Welcome to episode 54 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined in virtual studio by my good friend, my colleague, and the man who is investigating owning an electric car, John Scott Sloat. I leave no stone unturned, Doc. No stone. Yes, you, you tend to be, um, you're not like the most, you're not like the most or the earliest adopter of, of new technology, but you're, you're towards the front end of that curve, I think. I adopt technology, particularly if it can save me money, which is why I'm looking into the electric car. But I, I do like being on the, on the front edge. I wouldn't call myself, I think there was a period of time where I was the earliest adopter, where I was like, new iPhone, got to have it. But I since, you know, that, that hurts the pocketbook quite a bit. And yes. year or two old are much cheaper than brand new things, um, as, yeah. I, as I learned uh, through my 20s. So um, yeah, yeah, don't, don't want to be an early adopter. So other than that, John, how are we doing? Uh, good. It was a busy week. It was a big week in sports. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. We do have a lot to talk about. But before we do that, we want to remind our listeners that you can connect with us on Twitter at V&S Pod. We have a Facebook page that you can like and follow. That's uh, Various and Sundry Podcast. You can uh, do us a favor. It's been a while since this has happened, but uh, you can go onto the podcast app and leave us a review and a five-star rating if you're so inclined. And we do have an email address that you can email the show, podcast at gmail.com. And that leads us to a mea culpa moment here on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, so... Um... This week, for whatever reason, I was going through email addresses on my iPhone, um, and I realized uh, that that a couple of them had been signed out of somehow, and I I had no idea. Uh, one of them was the Various and Sundry podcast. So I was thinking for months, uh, since like June, uh, that I just, we were just weren't getting any podcast emails, that nobody was emailing in. Uh, turns out we had gotten several emails from listeners <laughs> that that I now feel guilty about. So, so first of all, my apologies uh, if you emailed something in in the last six months, which is half the existence of our podcast, and I have not responded uh, because of that. I, I, I just had it on the on the phone, and so I, I planned an apology email to those of you that have emailed in. Uh, but uh, yeah, my, my sincerest apologies. I'll, I'll get some of that going uh, to today. Yeah, I, I, we just need to be a better version of us when it comes to uh, checking in on that email and making sure that we're uh, responding to our listeners. So um, we, we, we do want to offer our apologies and express our commitment to, to, to do better. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and really, we're going to shift blame to Apple and say this is really just all Apple's fault for signing <laughs> us out, uh, or maybe maybe Google. Uh, it's Google's fault for signing us out of our Gmail account. It's all part of their master plan. Oh yeah. Speaking of master plan, um, Alabama had a master plan last night in the national championship game that they uh, executed to near perfection. Uh, dominating Ohio State, winning 52-24. Bama was clearly the better team. And um, 
you know, it's it's disappointing to see Ohio State lose like that. Um, I, I would like to have seen if Ohio State had been at full strength, I think the game would have been more competitive. Um, I think it was pretty uh, pretty crushing for them to lose Trey Sermon on the first play of the game. Sure. And I think a lot of their offense was built around his running as well as passing to him out of the backfield. And the backup that they have, Master Teague, is just not built the same way. He's more of a bowling ball kind of running back, not a shifty, make guys miss kind of guy. Uh, but that doesn't take anything away. Bama was the better team. By the way, uh, some, some yeah. of the best named running backs in the league right there, Sermon and Master Teague. I mean, yes. come on. hard to beat those names. And the third stringer is Steel Chambers. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. I mean, you, you can make the argument Ohio State has the best running back room in the country when it comes to names. Absolutely. I, I don't even think it's a competition. So obviously disappointed at that. I, I will say that when, when I step back and think about the fact that in late August, early September, it looked like there would be no Ohio State football this fall. That, that brings me a measure of perspective to say, I'm grateful that we got to see even eight games of Justin Fields um, before he is a first round draft pick this upcoming uh, spring. So grateful for that, but disappointed they didn't put their best foot forward uh, on this uh, in the championship game here. But, you know, they did get the Clemson monkey off their back, got some revenge from, from that loss last year. But um, uh, overall, overall still a very, very good season. Any uh, way too early predictions about next season for the Buckeyes? Well, they lose a lot. I mean, they're going to lose Justin Fields at quarterback. They're going to lose Trey Sermon. They're going to lose several, uh, a couple of offensive linemen. They're going to lose all of their starting linebackers. So they'll have a lot to replace. I mean, there's plenty of talent there. It's just a matter of how quickly it develops. Yeah. Okay. Um, other than the college football playoff, which happened last night, we're recording Tuesday morning. Uh, we had uh, the NFL Wild Card Weekend, which was wonderful. Actually, six games, uh, most of them pretty good. Aren't we supposed to call it the Super Wild Card Weekend or something? Wasn't that some some marketing shtick that the NFL did? Yeah, but the it, but it's here to stay, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. But that specific title. But. Yeah, I, I suppose so. But they were all—they're all pretty good games. Uh, there weren't any major, major blowouts. Although the Browns seemed to have a major blowout through the first quarter. Yeah, what a start! Um, did you did you watch the start of that game? I w- these late night starts, I usually make it to about halftime, and then I'm. Well, I think you saw pretty much everything you needed to see if you saw the first quarter of that Browns Steelers game. I mean, I I got done with, uh, I forget where we were. I think we, I think we had life group. So I got home and turned the TV on and, um, I saw the Browns are up seven, nothing. And there was, uh, only like 15 seconds gone in the game. And I was very confused. And so, uh, you know, you, you rush to Twitter to find out, Oh, okay. You know, the, uh, the Steelers did their best, uh, Broncos imitation from the Super Bowl a few years ago. You remember this when Peyton oh, yeah. Manning was the Broncos quarterback? Was that against Seattle? I think. 
Yeah, that was the Super Bowl Seattle crushing. Yeah. Basically the same thing, right? Rockets snap over the quarterback's head and Browns end up falling on it for a touchdown. And the 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 snowball just kept gaining steam as it went down the uh down the mountain there. So Congrats to the Browns for, for their first playoff win since 1995. John, how old were you in 1995? Oh goodness, I was in the first grade in 95. Okay, yeah, okay. I was, in, and I'm I'm now 32. Uh, so <laughs> you, can, you can do the math. Um, I was I was a tyke. Um, yeah. So the rest of the uh, anything else stand out to you from the from the wild card games this weekend? Um. No, not not too much. Uh, did you see the Twitter uh, uh, on Tom Brady's uh, account? Did you see this? No. Where it because uh, the next game is, I believe, Tampa Bay against the Saints. Yes. Um, and it had uh, uh, Tom Brady and Drew Brees as very elderly men holding football. So Drew Brees <laughs> is bald. Tom Brady who still had a full head of hair, but it was all gray and he had a long, thick beard and their skin is all wrinkly. And uh, it was said that the game was going to be on the History Channel. Nice. It was it was pretty awesome. Okay, speaking of alternate platforms, though, for NFL games, did you see that Nickelodeon did a broadcast of the, um, of the Saints? Who did they play this weekend? Saints against um, Bears. Bears, that's right. Yeah. Did you Did you see this? I saw that it happened and I saw that they announced somebody got slimed or somebody earned the slime award or, or something along those lines. And it was Trubisky. Well, yeah, they, you know, it's obviously a ploy to get younger fans, uh, you know, young kids into the game. And um, they did all these different graphics and stuff in terms of like when, when the Saints scored a touchdown, like they had the slime cannons shooting, you know, the graphics over the end zone and stuff like that. And, um, you know, interesting little gimmick they did there. Though though someone pointed out um, almost all the commercials were exactly the same as the main feed on the, on the broadcast network network feed. And so, you know, they're pointing out, okay, so you're trying to draw kids in, but then you've got these commercials that are obviously, not kid oriented. So. Yeah. And if they continue to do that, they'll figure it out. They'll figure out that they'll write the contracts uh, depending on how well it did. I haven't, I haven't seen any reporting, but yeah, it's a good, it's it's an interesting idea. I I love the creativity of it. I agree. I agree. So we are on to the divisional round uh, this upcoming weekend, Browns versus chiefs and Ravens versus bills in the AFC. And then in the NFC, Bucks versus Saints and Rams versus Packers. Who do you like at an initial glance at that? Um, certainly, certainly Packers and I'm sorry, Browns fans. I, I, I probably like the Chiefs in that game. The Browns have been a fun story, but I, I think the Chiefs are a, a far superior team. I think most Browns fans are pretty realistic, though. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't think there's a ton of Browns fans out there who are like, we are going to win this game. No doubt about it. Like, I think most of them are like, yeah, that's going to be a tall order. And, um, but you know, strange things happen in the playoffs. It's, it's not outside the realm of possibility. It'd be a huge upset to be sure. But I, I think I'm most excited maybe for the Ravens bills game. Uh, that could just be a lot of fun with, uh, I mean, I watched the bills for the first time this year, this weekend. And 
Josh Allen's a lot of fun to watch. And obviously Lamar Jackson is a good watch as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, the NFC Bucks versus Saints is an interesting matchup with uh, Tom Brady and uh, Drew Brees, as was mentioned. Um, and then Rams versus Packers. Number one, if I understand correctly, I think that's number one defense versus number one offense in the NFL. Okay. Yeah. So we'll see how that shakes out. And then our last note on the sports front, oh, so uh, a, a major tectonic shift in the balance of major league baseball. John, tell us what happened. Uh, so my New York Mets uh, made a trade for Francisco Lindor of the Indians. Um, and we lost, we lost a couple of good players, uh, Ahmed Rosario and, uh, uh, Andres Jimenez as, as well as a couple of minor leaguers. Um, but we got back, uh, Francisco Lindor and, uh, and, uh, Carrasco, a, a pitcher, um, both of whom are all stars and, and just excellent, excellent, uh, players. So super excited to see them on the team. And, um, everybody basically says that they got them for next to nothing. Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it certainly made Nate from Ohio quite salty uh, when the news broke on that. And I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty obvious uh, salary dump by the Indians. And in fairness, you know, if, if you don't think you're going to be able to resign him, it makes sense to, get something for him rather than just have him walk out the door and get nothing. But as, as I, I think Nate Ohio pointed out to us in text messages, the Indians payroll is now the same as Grace college's payroll. Is that, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure the numbers on that, but, uh, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was a good line. It was a good line for sure. But I'm very, uh, very excited. Was, was jumped. Uh, excited and they're supposed to make more moves to do, do, do more trades. So what they come up next, uh, next week or two. Well, I think it's uh, time for us to move on to our main topic for the day. And we are going to talk about catechesis, which is a, uh, a word that maybe uh, some of our listeners may not be familiar with. You might be familiar with the word catechism, Mm-hmm. So catechesis is obviously closely related to that. And uh, why don't we start with uh, just some basics of what is catechesis and, and why does it matter? John, what, what, what comes to mind is if someone uh, were to say to you, what is that and, and what, why does it matter? So I, I did not grow up with catechesis or cate- catechism, um, but I, I see it as an important thing. My, my understanding of it is it's a, uh, question and answer uh, form. So, so who is God? And, the, and then there's a, a standard answer that is to be repeated, memorized, understood. Um, and then uh, there are lots of different version, versions of this, uh, but it's for religious instruction. It's for uh, teaching the faith uh, either to uh, lay people in the church, uh, to, to children, to um, um, a variety of individuals. And it's supposed to sort of outline this is what denomination believes or, or, or stands behind. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, for, for our, for our Greek students out there, this idea of catechesis comes from the Greek verb kataket, katakeo, 
which means to instruct or to teach orally. That verb's found in Luke 1.4 uh, to talk about uh, the idea of instructing believers. Same is true in uh, 1 Corinthians 14.19, Galatians 6.6. 6. Uh, so it's it has its roots at the earliest uh, moments of the church when it comes to a, a form of instruction that's intended to give the basics of the Christian faith in summary form to provide a framework for uh, understanding one's faith. And uh, from what I gathered doing a little bit of show prep here, uh, it seems like Luther was the first one to put it into a question and answer format rather than just a sort of uh, series of statements. Oh, really? That, that's yeah. interesting. I knew he had one, um, but, uh, but wasn't aware uh, that, that he had, he had written the, the first question and answer form. Um, did, did you grow up on catechism? I didn't. Uh, I did not. So um, I, I was certainly, was certainly your, late, late to the game on that. What was your first exposure to it? Like when, when did you first like learn about it or hear about it? Uh, I think it was probably, I mean, I think I probably got exposed to it at some level in college just becoming familiar with or hearing about, you know, the Westminster confession of faith and the, the catechism that went with it. Um, but really it wasn't until uh, <clears throat> our children were born and we started to think about how do we instruct them in the faith that it became more of a, a felt need in terms of thinking about this idea of catechism so that's where I really became most familiar with it. And in one sense, that makes sense because, um, you know, if you think about the responsibility of parents to pass on the faith to their children, you know, you think of a passage like Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9, that after the, 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 the Shema, the hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, right after that, our instructions about you should teach these things to your children. You should talk about them as you're going through your day. You should, you know, write them on the doorposts of your door. So you're creating this environment where you're instructing the next generation of, uh, of, of people uh, on the basics of the faith. What about you? When did you sort of first get exposed to this idea? Yeah, I, I think it was probably, um, s similar to you, probably in college or seminary, I think maybe even the first time was at the Gospel Coalition uh, that I was able to hear it talked about and then was able to explore uh, uh, New City Catechism that, that we'll talk about probably in a little bit. Um, and, uh, and was able to, uh, you know, was, was able to play with it. I think New City Catechism first came out as an app. Um, and so you were able to go on there, look at the question, find the answer and, and watch a video from a, from a pastor describe uh, what this was. And I, I don't know if that's still out there. I know they've put uh, that catechism into, into book form, uh, which, which is great. Um, but I was using it uh, to teach junior high Sunday school uh, at the church I was attending. So I would, I would go in, we'd have one of these questions. We'd talk about it. We'd read some of the passages uh, that were that were a part of this. We'd watch the video in the new kid, uh, new city catechism app, and and uh, you know trying to trying to do some of the things that you just said. Pat pass on that faith uh, 
to a younger generation. And that, and that was my junior high Sunday school curriculum that I was teaching through. Um, but I will say that I did not call it, I did not tell them it was called a catechism. Um, yeah. I also didn't, didn't tell parents or frankly, the pastor at the time that it was, that it was a catechism that I was teaching through. Um, because I had this innate sense that uh, there's a number of ev evangelicals that really struggle with the term catechism um, and, and, uh, and even the process of it. Could you talk maybe about that and what, what fear is there? Yeah, I think um, uh, on one level, I think a lot of evangelicals have a gut level reaction to um, anything that, that smells of ritual. And so the, this idea of a rote sense of here's a question, here's an answer, memorize it, I think um, rubs some evangelicals the wrong way, just as a, just in principle. Um, and I also think that along similar lines, it seems like within the history of the church that catechisms have tended to be more associated with high church traditions rather than low church traditions. And if you don't know what that distinction means, basically um, high churches more structured in their worship, a lot more, uh, you know, detailed listing of we do this, then we do this, then we do this, tend to have more structure in terms of how the church is governed and run. And low church tends to be uh, the opposite of that in terms of a lot less structure, more free flowing, both in terms of how worship is put together, as well as even just how churches are organized and run. Yeah. Um, and I do think there are, there are some people who grew up maybe in more of a high church and, uh, and I've run across individuals that have had this experience where, uh, goodness, they, they didn't open scripture when they talked in Sunday school or anything like that. They, they just memorized the catechism, um, which isn't the point, right? Um, right. we want to take those truths and we want to understand where they come from and we, we want to store them deep inside of us. And when you go back to, I mean, really, the Reformation was um, not that catechism didn't exist before that, but the, but the Reformation, a lot of the reformers even explicitly said that they, they perceived themselves as rediscovering and, and re uh, not reinventing, but more rediscovering uh, this idea of catechism of creating simple summaries of the faith as a means of helping their people understand scripture yeah. Like the whole point of it was to give them, to give people a framework for understanding the content of scripture so that when they read scripture, they had hooks to put things on as they were reading about God and reading about his plan of redemption and who Jesus is and, and those kinds of things. So that, uh, it was never intended to replace scripture. It was intended to be this kind of skeleton structure for you to put things together as you read the Bible. And so um, that's why, you know, Luther, Calvin, uh, several reformers created these kinds of catechisms as a means of helping believers organize what the Bible said about key things to provide that entry point into reading scripture faithfully. And I, I think that's an important point that you just you you just said, um, and that maybe maybe we've communicated up until this point that this is for children. This is for 
uh, young believers as we pass on uh, the faith to the next generation, which is which we certainly want to do. We certainly want to be excited about. We certainly want to be uh, a part of. Um, but this is for all believers, um, whether uh, you have been in the church 10, 15, 20, 25 years, uh, this is for you. Um, you. You can come away from uh, catechism learning something or catechesis learning something new, uh, being reminded of truths, uh, being those, having those brought up afresh. Absolutely. Um, and uh, just to, for a minute to go back to the the benefit for kids. Um, we did not use, uh, when our kids were growing up, the new city catechism didn't exist. If, if it did, we would have used that, I'm sure. But we actually used a modified version of the Westminster uh, shorter catechism that <clears throat> a pastor friend had created. Oh, and yeah. it, it was great. Um, and our kids to this day still remember many of the answers um, to that uh, to that catechism that we worked through with them. And one of the, um, and my, my boys will hate me saying this, but um, one of the most adorable videos in the Harmon family video uh, archive is of our boys uh, giving answers to the, uh, to the questions. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm going to have to res- resist the urge to post that on social media it's it's stinking adorable yeah we may uh, need I'll, to edit out we may need to edit this out for the sake of your of your not brother. a chance not a <laughs> chance uh it's it's adorable but but the point the point of saying that is um those things stuck and even the things that they wouldn't necessarily be able to repeat word for word the answer today that helped form the the basic sort of substructure of their understanding of who God is and what he is like and what he has done in human history for our redemption. So um, I, I think sometimes people can get so hung up on, you know, well, what if they don't remember the answers to it, you know, a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. And I would say that's not necessarily the most important thing you know, five years from now that your kids can repeat verbatim the exact answers to the questions uh, from the catechism. But what is important is that you're forming that, that foundation for, uh, for, for your children to understand the world around them from a biblical worldview. But back to your point, and I think this is important, um, I want to want to put the the double exclamation point emphasis on this is not just for kids. And so um, the, the the tools that we'll talk about here shortly uh, when it comes to this should not just be heard as, well, if you have kids, you should you know consider these tools. No, these are of benefit for you as an individual believer. And for the pastors out there, um, this is these are tools that I think you should consider incorporating into uh, some form within your broader ministry and not just in the kids ministry wing of things, which that's a great thing. And I know at our church, we yeah. use the new city catechism and our uh, children's ministry director uh, does a great job of incorporating that. And um, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. And it's fun to hear little kids saying these answers where you're like, 
you don't even necessarily, you only <laughs> grasp like the surface level of how profound what you just said was, but it's providing the foundation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's sort of like an investment, you know, you, you, you uh, put those things in when they're young and it, it grows um, or it has the potential to grow. Um, but yes, and what a good time of year to start a, uh, a, a, as either a family or a, a couple or as, or as a single person, you know, working your way through um, a, a, a catechism. And, and the New City Catechism, correct me if I'm wrong, is 52 questions. And, and the idea is you're going through one uh, one question a week uh, and memorizing the answer. Yeah, I had not really checked out the app that the uh, New City Catechism put together until uh, doing prep for the show. And uh, I will just say it is remarkable. It is so well done. Um, it has, and it has one of the things that I appreciate about this most is it has both a sort of what they call a regular mode and a children's mode hmm. that the children's mode gives a, you know, a short one sentence answer to the question. So, you know, for example, uh, question two in the new city catechism is what is God? And so the, the kids answer is God is the creator of everyone and everything. But if you switch it to the full mode, the answer is, God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. So what I love about that is you can get the simple, basic answer, and then there's more available to expand on that. And it's got links to scripture passages that teach that, uh, that doctrine as well as a suggest is some commentary from different pastors, whether contemporary or even, um, you know, from church history, like the, for question two here, you tap on the commentary link there and a, and a section from Jonathan Edwards comes up as well as DA Carson, just giving further explanation as to the content of, of what uh, that means. So it's just a fantastic tool as well as a suggested prayer based on that attribute. So I can't, I can't recommend this highly enough in terms of a, a really helpful tool. Again, not just for kids and parents and children's ministry workers, but for all believers as a way of reminding ourselves about basic truths that provide the framework for putting scripture together. Well, Doc, any any other resources? Obviously, we recommend New City Catechism. We've talked about it uh, qu quite a bit, um, and it's been out for probably eight, nine, ten years now. Um, at that least. sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's it's been tested. It, it's it's done well. Um, and they've got a lot of additional resources on their website in terms of curriculum you can use in a in a ministry context, um, teaching ideas you know, kits with activities and that sort of stuff. So it's, um, it's top notch. Yeah. Um, are there any other catechisms you would recommend? Uh, just uh, if our listeners are like, my goodness, I'd, I'd like a little bit more of this, maybe some more questions, maybe some more depth. Yeah. I mean, the, the classics tend to be the Westminster uh, catechisms. There's a shorter one and a larger one. Uh, the difference being again, similar to what we saw with the new city, 
uh, catechism. The shorter one has shorter, more basic answers. And then the, the larger catechism has more extended answers and more uh, questions in there as well. Um, those, those tend to be, I think the most uh, widely known. I think there's a, there might be one connected with the, the Heidelberg confession. There might be a catechism connected with that, I think as well. Yeah, that, that sounds uh, very familiar. Um, and then I think that's uh, more from a Lutheran um, perspective. And, and again, you know, you might work through some of these catechisms and, and, and come across a section where you're like, eh, well, that's, you know, maybe not quite how my, you know, denomination or tradition would understand, you know, baptism or something like that. Well, you know, no one, nothing says you have to follow it slavishly, you know? <laughs> yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll post um, links to uh, the New City Catechism, the larger and shorter uh, Westminster Catechism, as well as a couple of articles on the value um, of catechism. If you, if you aren't sold <laughs> yeah. by bringing endorsements, uh, if our endorsements aren't enough for you, we have some smarter people who wrote <laughs> things about it. Um, but doc, other than that, any, any other thoughts on catechisms before we, uh, transition? Yeah, I'll, I will point people towards, uh, one of the links will be, um, a link to the gospel coalition front page for the topic of catechism. So it'll be a link that has, uh, on that page that has, you know, five, six, seven different articles on different components of why catechism is valuable. And one of them that I'll just reference quickly is, uh, Colin Hansen has an article on that on that page where he basically makes the point of someone is catechizing your kids. The larger culture, um, you know, basically the air around them, the, the school that they're going to, um, their friends around them, the culture, they're being, we're all being in one sense catechized by, um, by our culture around us. So if we're not intentional about um, counteracting that through uh, being immersed in scripture and even intentional catechism about who God is and, and what he's doing in the world and how we should live as believers, that the danger is, of course, is that the, the world's values will have more of a, a sway on us than they should. So um, that, that's just, a, I think, a helpful reminder that all of us are being catechized. It's just a matter of how intentional we are about it and what source we're going to for it. Yeah. And I think, I think maybe that's another conversation we come back to another time, uh, ways that we're being catas- uh, uh, going through catechism of, of culture or uh, religion, wh- wh- whatever it may be. So um, with that uh, doc, let's turn uh, to our athletes. Uh, do you want to walk us through um, some of these athletes? Absolutely. So um We'll start on the professional side. So episode 54, we've got uh, Rich Goose Gossage, who was a relief pitcher in the major leagues from 1972 to 94. Great name. Great so name. I, I don't know if you remember him at all. That would have been pretty young for you. Yeah. He was well known for, he had this mustache that extended down. Uh, like it looked like it was, going to be a goatee but the, the the bottom wasn't filled in so it went all the way down to his chin um just a a, a great great google images out there if you want to uh check that out uh pretty dominant relief pitcher for his day uh in the uh nfl we've got two contributors here we've got 
uh, Brian Erlacher, not Brain Erlacher, as I've written on our show notes there. That's Brian <laughs> Erlacher there. Um, linebacker for the Bears from 2000 to 2012. Also known for uh, uh, regrowing your hair products in, if you live in the Chicago area. If you ever drive through, there's always a always seems to be a billboard of Brian Erlacher growing hair. Yes, he, he was a... Um, you know, in that sort of tradition of great bears linebackers, yeah, uh, a terrific player. And then Randy white was a defensive tackle for the uh, Dallas Cowboys from 75 to 88 uh, before your time, John, but uh, pretty well known in, in the NFL during that window. And then we've got two Ohio state players from more recent days. John Simon was a defensive end from 2009 to 2012 and uh, I believe is still in the league. It's played oh. for the Ravens, the Texans, the Colts, the Patriots. It's kind of been around. Been a bit of a journeyman. Yes, but uh, a very uh, solid NFL career. And then Billy Price was a center from 2013 to 2017. Uh, won a national championship and was an All-American center for Ohio State. And he is currently on the Bengals. Okay, okay. Um, who do you like out of this list, Doc? Um, I can, I would narrow it down probably to Erlacher and Goose Gossage. Those would be the two. Uh, Goose uh, was clearly a good pitcher, but uh, also just because of his name, I really like. But Brian Erlacher, I mean, was playing the whole time when I was learning to love football. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to go with Erlacher. I think he was uh, probably uh, the most dominant linebacker of his era of that, of that early two thousands. I think you could say he was the best linebacker in the NFL for yeah. that decade. It's probably a, a close race between him and Ray Lewis. If I had to pick another one. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably fair. Um, just, and Erlacher was a guy that was unheralded really out of college. He went to New Mexico. Really? Is there New Mexico or New Mexico state? I can't remember which one it is. Um, yeah. So, and he was actually, I think they're more of a safety, um, but he was, he, he was a, just a great athlete, tough guy. So I, I'm, in, I'm inclined to, uh, to go with him. Let's do it. All right. Brian Erlacher on to one thing we liked. Let's go with you, John. Let's have you start. Uh, I'm going to go with the Lindor trade. Uh, you know, it, it came right in the middle of the day and I was. Ast- You're trying to make this Nate in Ohio's least favorite episode of the podcast, aren't you? It, it might be. Um, <laughs> it was, I was, I was so excited. I called my dad. Uh, I was texting uh, several friends who, uh, who were Indians fans um, to talk about, all right, how excited should I, should I be about this? And, uh, listen to uh, Mets podcasts that were that were coming out that day. You know, immediate reaction stuff. Watching press conferences, watching Steve Cohen's Twitter, um, all, all those things. It was it was a lot of fun and probably uh, a good portion of my uh, was I think it was Thursday that was uh, devoted to that. How about yeah. yourself? So I'm going to go with um, a song that uh, I've been enjoying for a little while now by a group called City Alight, which uh, has put out some good uh, worship music. Uh, They've got several songs of theirs that I enjoy, but 
uh, in particular is a song called uh, Your Will Be Done, which is uh, a great reflection on um, not only the need for us to obey, but a reflection on Christ's obedience for us. That's, uh, that's really nice. We'll have a, a link to it in the, uh, in the show notes there for the YouTube video on that, that uh, people can check that out if they're, if they're so inclined. All right. Well, Doc? Is it here? Is it time? I think it's time. I think we've arrived. All right. All right. Yes, we are uh, ready, I think, to call Mission Accomplished. We have talked about, uh, well, we began the show with a mea culpa, you know, and again, we'll re- we-, we will reiterate how deeply sorry we are and commit to repenting uh, right here. We've talked about uh, college football playoff, NFL playoffs, uh, the seismic trade of uh, Lindor to the Mets, and catechesis and our experience with that. And topping it off with Brian Erlacher, we have done what we set out to do, covering our various and sundry topics. And so until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.